Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with Money Webb. Hilton Tarrant with you on this Monday evening. Tonight, Nedbank Chief Executive Mike Brown on why the bank is deliberately shrinking its home loan book and also some insights into the trends and growth in the personal loan space. South Africans are still gambling despite consumers being under pressure. Sun International boss Graham Stevens on where growth is coming from, its hotel business and its new casino project in Panama. A look ahead to Wednesday's national budget speech. We also talk VAT registration for business. David Shapiro of Sassfin is with us to make sense of the markets. All of this and more to come. First, here's the news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Train services in Gauteng affected by power failure and soldier to appear in court charged with the murder of two colleagues. Good evening, I'm Greg Host with the news at 6pm here on SAFM. The Pretoria and Johannesburg Metro Rail Route is experiencing train delays of up to 40 minutes due to a municipal power failure that resulted in signal malfunctioning. On Friday, a power failure caused signal failures at Centurion and Irene. Metro Rail says it's now manually directing its trains. The latest power failure comes after yesterday's cable damage at Fountains outside Pretoria, which affected one line. Power in Alberton on Gauteng's East Strand has meanwhile not been restored. The municipality has promised that power will be restored by the end of the day. Residents have been without electricity since the start of the weekend. Municipal spokesperson Sam Modiba. We've been busy running random tests that has been showing us where some of the outstanding problems are. What we just want to emphasize to residents of Alberton is the fact that even when power is finally restored in the area, this is an interim arrangement. Therefore, the supply will only be about 70% reliable. The reason for this is because the substation has reached a stage where the whole components of the substation have to be overhauled. A 24-year-old soldier arrested for the murder of two Defence Force troops in the Eastern Free State will appear in the local magistrate's court tomorrow. The bodies of the two were found in a farm near Fariesburg. They had gunshot wounds to the head. All three soldiers were stationed at the Fariesburg military base. Police spokesperson Majang Skalki says they were tasked to conduct border patrols between Fixburg and the Lesotho border. It's alleged that the two districts were inside the state vehicle. The suspect shot them on their head and then fled the scene with their official state vehicle. The Northwest government says local government MEC China Dodovu arrested in connection with the killing of the ANC secretary in the Kenneth Kaunda district municipality will be charged with conspiracy to commit murder. David Chico was shot and killed two days before the ANC's Mangong conference in December. The arrest brings the total number of suspects arrested to eight. Hawke spokesperson Poramaloko. We are talking about the conspiracy to commit murder that is being associated with those suspects who planned the murder of Chica. We are busy questioning him now. He will be charged today, then possibly maybe to court today or tomorrow in the morning. Then we will request that he join the other suspects on Wednesday. The Western Cape ANC says it will call an urgent meeting with the Independent Electoral Commission to discuss what it says are discrepancies in the voter registration process in the province. It claims research shows that between 500,000 and 700,000 eligible voters in poor communities haven't been registered. ANC Western Cape Chairperson Marius Fransman. 
We are very concerned that in the black communities, people are not being registered. And we started to analyze the relation between the IEC Western Cape office and the provincial government. The President of the Philippines has signed a law to compensate victims of former leader Ferdinand Marcos. The government has set aside at least $250 million to compensate thousands of people who suffered rights abuses. The money was recovered from Swiss bank accounts secretly maintained by Marcos during his 20 years in power. The BBC's Kate McGowan. President Aquino signed this new law exactly 27 years after the revolution which ousted Ferdinand Marcos. He said that while his government couldn't bring back the time stolen from the victims, it could assure them that the state recognised their sufferings. Almost $250 million will be divided among the victims, taken from money found in Mr Marcos's bank accounts in Switzerland. Campaigners for the victims have welcomed the law as an important step forward. The top story, the Pretoria and Johannesburg Metro Rail Route is experiencing train delays of up to 40 minutes because of a municipal power failure that resulted in signal malfunctioning. Well, the next news bulletin is at 7 p.m. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hose. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. A big week uh, on the markets this week. A big week uh, for our finance minister, Pravin Gordon. Budget speech on Wednesday. We'll bring you wall-to-wall coverage here on the market update, as well as on Wednesday afternoon ahead and after uh, the finance minister's speech as we bring you uh, that speech live here on SAFM uh, with some analysis as well as uh, previews up until Wednesday as well as uh, before that speech on Wednesday. You can keep those SMSs coming in 34701 with the keyword market, 34701 with the keyword market. Perhaps uh, send us some SMSs about what you think should be in the national budget speech this week. Uh, a tricky one, a tricky one for the finance minister and uh, Chris Hart of Investment Solutions will weigh in in a couple of minutes' time as to what he's expecting uh, the finance Minister to do this and more to come on the program tonight uh, on the SAFM market update between 9 and 6.30. Google it and Fupi, however, has your business news up first. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Minority shareholders in banking group APSA have overwhelmingly backed a plan to buy the African operations of its parent company, Barclays, for just around 16 billion rand in new shares. The deal, although dilutive to minority shareholders, is expected to give APSA greater exposure to fast-growing African markets. South African Breweries has announced a 700 million rand investment in a state-of-the-art new maltings plant in Al Road, southeast of Gauteng, as part of its continued efforts to support the local economy and drive job creation. Construction on the new plant will begin during the course of this year and will produce more than 100,000 tons of malted barley a year once it's completed in 2015. And the Star South Africa, the Star rather, South Africa's biggest wine and spirit producer, says its first half earnings rose on higher sales of pre-mixed ready-to-drink brands and cider. Net income advanced by 13% in the six months through December, while sales increased by 9%. Turning to the markets now, the JC Orsia Index is closed in positive territory by about a third of a percent to close at 39,787 points. The rands at 8.83 to the US dollar. 1331 to the pound and 1168 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,585 an ounce, a barrel of green crude oil at $115, and the platinum price at $1,609 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. It's uh, almost eight minutes after six o'clock. 34701 is the SMS line. 34701 with the keyword market.
Coverage of the 2013 budget speech is brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa in the interest of providing professional tax solutions to minimize business tax risk. To identify a CASA tax advisor, visit www.findacasa.co.za. David Shapiro of Sassman is with us. David, before we get into the markets, uh, I spoke with Chris Hart, Chief Strategist at Investment Solutions, a couple of minutes ago and asked him about the budget and uh, he was <laughs> he made me laugh. He said what he expects to see in the budget and what he'd like to see in the budget are two very, very, very different things. Are you the same? Yeah, I know what we'd like to see in the budget, of course, but uh, unlikely that it's going to happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, I think it's going to be a very interesting budget simply that uh, it's going to give us a very good gauge of where the economy is. And, you know, Hilton, we've been monitoring accounts here over the last couple of weeks, most of which, most of the companies coming out with warning signs about tough conditions, um, particularly in the mining sector. And uh, one's going to see how the minister weighs this up and how, you know, the way forward. But of course, we'd all like to see company taxes come down. The, the, uh, if anything, they're if going anything, up. Yeah. You know, so, uh, a lot more concessions. But, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting week. And, you know, for once, I'm interested more in the account side of it than on the, uh, you know, what he's going to say. This is what he, what, what Chris Hart expects. He expects additional taxes. He expects this to be pitched as a jobs budget, even though it's a welfare budget. And he expects more news on the infrastructure front even though we end up paying for this anyway through administered prices, through things like e-tolls where the user pays and there's cost recovery. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. I asked him, we spoke about the ratings agencies and perhaps how they would view budget. This is what he had to say. The the focus from the credit rating agencies' point of view is is that the, the focus from Treasury is going to be to close the deficit by raising tax, the tax take. But I don't think they're going to focus on the actual thing that's worrying the rating agencies, and that's the expenditure, uh, how this expenditure scope and uh, creep that we're getting, which is the unsustainable trend that they're worried about. Chris Hart there, the Chief Strategist at Investment Solutions. David, would you agree with that? I, I wonder if they're really going to raise taxes. You know, I know what the rating agencies are concerned about. I'd be concerned because once you start to raise tax, you're actually going to hurt growth. Mm. You're not going to raise growth. You may be able to balance your account slightly, but down the line, it's going to actually uh, damage where this country is going. And, you know, I'm in the camp that I think that if you lower taxes, uh, it's, it's far more of an incentive to expand your businesses and, and, and your spending rather than cutting back. And I think people don't pay taxes. They find ways to hide it. As, as hard as SARS is, and we'll look for it, um, I think there's ways that you can actually um, you know, disguise it. So I, I, I'm a bit concerned that it's, it's the wrong time to do so. David, on the markets today, the JSC up a third of 1% ticking up. Yeah, we should have been higher. I think the RAND took a little bit of the edge off, and the RAND went up not because of the RAND, but because of the Italian election. Uh, Pierluigi Berni, what is that? I forget his name. Uh, Bersani, Bersani. Um, he was a moderate, which means he's pro-austerity, so I think great relief that uh, he came in. And uh, the RAND picked up. Uh, against that, and it took the edge of some shares like British American Tobacco, SAB Miller, even Billiton came down, but, mm. but overall a very strong day. And I think the market coming to the realization that 
they're not going to uh, withdraw, the central bankers are not going to withdraw stimulus programs quite yet. You know, we've only got Japan coming into the picture now. Uh, Bernanke talks tomorrow and on uh, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So he's going to give us a good idea of of where they stand. And I don't think it's going to be uh, any suggestion of, of, uh, you know, withdrawing these programs. And that's what hurt the markets last week, you know, those kind of worries. We'll talk Nedbank at a quarter past six this evening. First round trading update out, up 22 to 27% for the first half. That's diluted, normalized headline earnings per share. It looks pretty good, that. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, again, they're making, um, you know, making good penetration. I think it, it probably looks probably the best of the lot. You know, it's a, a very, very strong result. Um, they only gave you the one or two numbers, so we don't know the makeup of it. And I think only when you go into Nedbank do you understand how they made it up. I would imagine also that there's lower impairments and you know, more penetration in the retail market. Barclays Africa, APSA, that deal, not really in any doubt? No, it wasn't in any doubt, but it was still niggling. You know, um, uh, the fact that it's dilutive, I suppose, upset few shareholders, but it seemed to get through with an overwhelming majority, so no doubt about that. The shares were up, the shares were up 1.5%. So between Nedbank First Rand and uh, uh, the APSA deal, I think, uh, you know, banks had a fairly good day. WBHO, results for the first half, revenue up 43%, headline earnings up uh, 18%. All the money, all the growth coming from Australia. I know. Doesn't that hurt? <laughs> Our nemesis. You know, if you look at Woolworth's results, you know, to Australia and everywhere else other than South Africa that we're doing well. But um, over 55%, I think, of the of the of the order book now lies outside of South Africa, mainly uh, you know, mainly in, the, in uh, Australia. But um, a good result from WBO also propped up the rest of the book, and that's why I think it remains the, the you know the top pick in the sector. If you if you dragged into that sector, if you feel you have to go in, well, then go and for screaming, the, go for this one. <laughs> Quarter past six, this is the SAFM market update with MoneyWeb. Well, results from South Africa's fourth largest bank, Nedbank, out today. Diluted headline earnings per share for the 2012 financial year were up 19%. Its return on equity increased to 16.4%. Cost to income was lower by over 100 basis points. And its credit loss ratio improved to 1.05%. Earlier, I spoke with Chief Executive Mike Brown and suggested this was a strong performance against a relatively tough trading environment. Yeah, thanks, Hilton. Uh, we certainly do think that these are a solid set of results in a difficult environment. And as you said, it's, it's very pleasing to be able to announce a set of numbers where all of our key performance indicators improved, all of our clusters grew their headline earnings, but at the same time, we've strengthened our balance sheet. So our Basel Street Common Equity Tier 1 was up at 11,6%, and in, we increased our bad debt coverage ratios. So a really solid outcome in a tough market. Mike, if we go back to 2010, uh, and I want to go back to 2010 because back then one of the uh, key uh, strategies going forward is really repositioning the retail retail side of things, uh, Nedbank Retail, and that that really the star of the show in these set of numbers, significant progress there. Uh, Your client base, some very strong growth, 5.9 million retail customers. Yeah, I think, you know, Ingrid and the team have done a really good job in, in repositioning our retail business. They grew their earnings over 20% to $2.5 billion. And you may remember in, I think, 2009, they, in fact, made a small loss. The challenge in our retail business is still to improve its return on equity, which is lower than the rest of our businesses. But importantly, as you say, we've had 655,000 South Africans choose to bank with Nedbank uh, in 2012. So that's additional customers into our retail business. Um, but we also saw good customer growth in our business banking business with 
775 new customers, so good client growth. On the retail side of things, 655,000 uh, new customers, that suggests you're taking market share. You know, it's always very difficult to work out uh, market share on, at a customer level in retail, but we're certainly very pleased with the growth that we've seen. Mike, I want to talk about growth and advances. We've seen growth there across the board, uh, except in mortgages. Your home loans actually decreasing by 2.6%. That means the size of the portfolio across the year has come down. Why? So that's a deliberate strategy from our perspective. You know, it starts out by trying to understand what we think is the long-term profitability of the home loans business through cycles. And we are very focused on growing our home loans business for customers who come to us through our branch network and from our transactional banking customers. So there we absolutely want to grow our home loans business. We don't need to grow our home loans business where people come to us through mortgage originators and are essentially only coming to the Nedbank brand because our price was cheaper than anybody else's. So that's the first aspect of this. The second aspect would be around looking at concentration risk right across our balance sheet. And if we look at overall property concentration risk. We have a very powerful position in our property finance business, our commercial mortgage business. So in total, if we wanted to slightly reduce our exposure to property, it would make economic sense for us to do that in the home loan business, not in our commercial mortgage business, which has performed extremely strongly for us through cycles. Your home loan business also booking its first annual profit uh, in this period since 2007. I think that shows just how tough uh, home loans are as, as a product. The first profit since 2007, 150 million rand, but clearly that would be a business that is still producing economic profit losses. In other words, a return on equity way below the cost of equity. Mike, staying with advances, uh, we have seen growth in unsecured lending in this market. Uh, in fact, those, those numbers starting to creep uh, rather high uh, in certain segments of the market. Your card business uh, growing strongly, 16% up there. Personal loans growing uh, at almost 30%, up 28.7% in the period. 17.9 billion rands worth of uh, personal loans advanced to customers in 2011. That's up to 22.9 billion in this period. 5 billion rand uh, more lent uh, in, in terms of personal loans. In terms of the trends that you are seeing, is, is that growth rate tapering off? It's absolutely slowing down. Um, the, in fact, it, at the half year in, in 2012, our personal loans business was growing a touch under 40%. And then for the full year, as you correctly pointed out, the growth rate was 28%. So what that means is a 40% slowdown in growth rates in the second half compared to the first half. And I think as consumers are increasingly under stress generally and particularly from the increases in administer, administered prices, you're going to see us continue to slow our lending in the, in the unsecured environment and in particular in respect of personal loans. Do you see that, that, that rate of growth dropping to the teens at some point soon? You know, we, we would have penciled in our 2013 growth at somewhere around about 20%, mm. so it wouldn't surprise me if it fell into the high teens. In terms of the loan size and the trends, the dynamics you're seeing in that market, what, what are you seeing in that space? So, you know, we haven't increased our overall loan sizes at all over the last couple of years, but within that, we certainly still see customers choosing the larger loan sizes out of our current segment of, of um, available products. So our average loan size is probably just over 30,000 rand. Uh, but we certainly, particularly in the fourth quarter of last year, saw a little bit more stress coming into the credit environment. 
We upped our provisioning by over 300 million rand against personal loans. So we're trying to make sure that we proactively deal with the increased risk profile in that segment. Mike, your impairments across the business, credit loss ratio of 1.05% for the group at retail level, a tad over 2%, 2.01%. Are there still some improvements ahead? So we would hope in 2013 to get the overall credit loss ratio, which you correctly said was 1.05%, down to below a percent. Mm. I think that the retail credit loss ratios are likely to remain relatively stable at 2 or just over 2% because we continue to see mixed changes in that portfolio um, as home loans grow, for example, slower than personal loans. But certainly we would hope to continue to have very good credit experiences in our high-quality wholesale books that would enable us to keep the overall credit loss ratio a touch below a percent. Mike Brown there, the Chief Executive of Nedbank. David, very quickly, your thoughts on Nedbank's numbers? Oh, very good numbers. I, you can't fault, um, you know, you can't fault Mark and the, the bank. I think what we have to watch out for is, I think, the disappointing side of the, is loan growth. Mm. And, and, you know, Hilton, at the end of the day, we've got to look at the top line growth. You know, you can do as much as you can underneath it, but businesses grow at the top line, not uh, in the middle and bottom line. Just by making sure that their retail banking customers were on the correct pricing mm. bundles, they lost 163 million rand in fees. Because of that. Mm. But they did well out of fees, mm. broadly. broadly speaking. They did <laughs> very well. Did pretty well. SABC One launches the after party on the 11th of February, midnight to 5 a.m. Watch the freshest music video. Check out the hottest parties in dancing and the coolest presenters on the after party. Monday to Sunday, midnight to 5 a.m. Only on SABC One, Salsi Folk Show. Well, Casino and Hotel Group Sun International today reported a 10% increase in revenue for the six months to December. Headline earnings are up 24% and on an adjusted basis up by 39%. New Chief Executive Graham Stevens joins us now. Graham, your EBITDA margin is up across the board. Uh, increases in nearly all of your larger properties. Thinking of uh, casinos like Grand West, Sun City, Carnival City, Wild Coast Sun. And uh, that operation in Chile is uh, playing an increasingly important role in your life. That's Monticello. That's right, Hilton, yeah. We, we're very happy with the performance of a lot of our units. Uh, it is across the board, as you say. Uh, Chile specifically has had a, had a, a really good six months and is, as you say, starting to contribute uh, quite seriously towards the group. That being said, it's not, uh, it's not dominant at an EBITDA level. It contributes about 12.5%, and when you get down to headline earnings per share, it's around about 7% of the total. Graham, the environment here in South Africa uh, is being described by most economists and commentators as one where consumers are under pressure. They're still visiting your casinos, though. What trends are you seeing in terms of footfall and, and, and spend? Well, if you, if you take Chile out of the equation, across the rest of the group, we've had about a 7% increase in revenue. So it's good. Uh, it's above inflation, um, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not enough to say that things have really turned the corner. Um, and I, at this stage, we would put it down, if anything, to maybe a, a move within the entrepreneurial sector of the economy. That's typically where a lot of our clients come from. So maybe there's some good news in that there's a bit of activity there, which is the sort of activity that's difficult to track, to be honest.
In terms of occupancies in your hotel business here at home, uh, obviously uh, a fairly strong link to the conference and meetings business. How's that faring? It's a sector that's not performing uh, as well as in the past, and that's probably where you can get some indication of what the economy is up to in the more corporate sector. Uh, our, our meetings and convention business is down. Uh, we've we've uh, been able to compensate a little bit with some uh, increased business out of the foreign traveling uh, traveler market, but there's no doubt that the the uh, convention and meeting space is is down on last year, and uh, and hopefully that's where there's room for improvement looking ahead. Graham, you are planning an investment in Panama, the acquisition of the casino component of the Trump Ocean Club International, obviously license depending. What makes this kind of uh, investment different to, to your typical kind of uh, investment in, in a new market? This is a little lower risk than having to build um, an entire space, which might include hotels and shopping centers, etc. Yeah, we've been able to target just the casino component. Uh, the developer of the property had separately financed and built the rest of it. So in that sense, lower risk. Uh, it gives us a chance to uh, prove whether we can operate in a competitive environment. Panama is competitive in uh, in relation to what we're used to here, where we have exclusivity typically. Um, so it's just a lower risk entry. Um, and strategically what it does, it gives us a second property in Latin America, which will hopefully start to complement Chile increase our presence in the region and, uh, and, and lead to further opportunity. Graham Stevens is Chief Executive of Sun International. This IntegriTax feature is brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa in the interest of providing professional tax planning solutions to minimize business or individual tax risk. Well, in this month's IntegriTax feature, we look at VAT registration as a new business or startup owner. The consequences for not registering as a VAT vendor within the first 21 days of operation are substantial. You aren't able to claim input tax, plus SARS will levy penalties against you when you eventually do register. I spoke with Samaya Kaki, the project director for Tax Suite at SICA, and asked her what proposals SICA has made around this process to make it easier for businesses to register for VAT. Well, the first thing is that SICA wants there to be consistency across the SARS branches so that it doesn't matter if, if I want to register for VAT, it shouldn't matter which branch I go into. The requirements should be standard across all the branches. The other thing is there must be reasonableness in, you know, taking into consideration the facts and circumstances around a particular business. With the bank statement example, a new company can't be expected to produce the three-month bank statement. So maybe there's other documentation that SARS can look at instead of looking at that bank statement, maybe a letter of confirmation from the bank. I think what what Saika is looking for is just some reasonableness on the side of SARS, consistency, and also the fact that they should stick to certain timelines. And if someone has applied for registration, for example, if I have to apply today, 22nd of February, it's compulsory for my business to be registered. If for some reason there's a delay in the process and my business is registered six months down the line, when I submit my VAT returns, you know, for that intervening period, Mm. the SARS system would currently automatically impose penalties on the basis that I've submitted my returns late. But what Syke is asking for is SARS to consider the actual date of application for registration as opposed to the actual registration date. That was Samaya Kaki, their project director for Tax Suite at Saika. We'll bring you another Integrity Tax feature next month.